a listener production. Kickbump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast. The Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kickbump podcast, your fortnightly DNM on all things motherhood. Mandy, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah, we we are good, but we did both just have a bit of a tear. Today's episode Mm. is with the incredibility, which I'll I'll get into properly introducing her in in a second. Um, But it is a very special episode. Mm. As always, I do just want to. I suppose I want to get it out of the way, to be honest, today, because I really want you guys to listen to this episode. So <laughs> feel free to skip ahead if you're not interested in Harvey Update. But no, we love a Harvey Update. How's Harvey my, little, update. my 25-year-old carpenter doing? Because <laughs> he's just grown up so much. <laughs> he really has. He's a little man in a little toddler's body. Um, <laughs> but I do have a Harvey Update. We have started dipping our toes in the world of potty training. Oh, mm. how's this going? It's going good. And it came off the back of our episode with Dr. Golly. Yes. So I took on board some of his tips. One being when you get a potty, let them decorate it with like stickers or something. Cute. I was like, here's your potty. This is so exciting. This is toilet. And I feel like put it next to mine. I was like, this is what we do. And I've just been letting him watch me go to the toilet. As weird as that sounds, <laughs> it just like makes sense in my mind. Is he still putting his head between? No, he's not doing that. Thank God he's moved on from the stage of hugging okay. me while I'm on the toilet. Yep, yep. But then it just kind of helped me like be like, this is yours. This is mine. This is what I do here. This is what you'll do here. Anyway, and I got all these stickers from a yeah. post office <laughs> and we just put the stickers on and he loved that. Mm. Anyway, it just started like that. I didn't like force him to go on it or anything like that. It was really just him knowing it existed mm. for most of the holidays. One thing he did start doing though, which I know isn't really exactly the most clean thing in the world, but he started weeing in the shower Okay, on demand like a dog. Okay. Like, I know, and I only say like a dog because I found myself saying it the same way I do to Ari. Like, I'd be like, go wheeze. Which is what I say to Ari when I open the back door. I'm like, go wheeze. And he'll go and wee. So now we've gotten to this pattern of like him stepping in the shower. And it must be like, Maybe the the noise or the motion of water. Oh, it's definitely the water yeah. trickling that makes and you I'm need like, to go. And I'm like, go wheeze. But he'll look down yep. and like watch and like, know what happens. <laughs> so he's at least connecting yeah. like yep. the term and the action with yeah. like what it feels like, which is great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then as of last week, we, I was putting him down to, to go to bed and usually he's like a, he's a one poo a day kind of guy, and it's usually <laughs> kind of guy because <laughs> he is twenty five yeah, now and a carpenter. That's right. And it's usually first thing in the morning, On the either job site. Yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> first thing in the morning, either while he's literally still in his cot or like straight after breakfast. Mm. But he hadn't gone this day, and when I was putting him down, he was in his pajamas and he's fresh nappy. He was literally two minutes from going in the cot. And I'm so glad I waited because he started to, he was standing at his bookshelf and he was doing this thing where like he goes up on his toes and like <laughs> just looked really serious yeah. and was staring at something. And I was like, oh my God, he needs to poo. So I was like, do you need to poo? And he looked at me, he's like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, quick, perfect opportunity. Quick. Let's go. And so we went into his little bathroom where his potty is and I was like, poos and like, let's go in here. And he was kind of looking at me unsure at first, but I undid his nappy and there was like this tiny, tiny little nug. And I was like, which meant that there's more coming. Yeah. 
like tiny. <laughs> so I like just tipped it into his potty okay. and I was like, look, this like poo. And he's like, poo, oh. poo, and pointing at it. And I was like, yes. And I was like, do you need to go? And he said, more? And I said, yes, more, great. <laughs> and I was getting so excited. Anyway, so I helped him like kind of sit down and the other one, this is so much TMI. So yeah, please, I love it. But like, it's, honestly, I feel like anyone funny. listening to this podcast is like, give me all the, give yeah. me all of the information. Um, but the other part of it was like kind of on its way already. So like that was happening and he looked down and he saw it happen and he stood up out of excitement. But I was like, no, you kind of got to sit and wait. But anyway, he saw it in there. I got the lid of the potty and I, and I poured it into the actual toilet. Mm. And I was like, now we put it here and then we're going to flush. But then he like wasn't done there. So I was like, and he said more. And I was like, oh. okay, great. <laughs> so I put him back and he did more. Anyway, so first successful poo oh, in good. the potty, which was amazing. And he was like clapping and everything. So I really feel like he understood what yep. was happening, yep. which was amazing. And I literally almost cried. <laughs> like so I had a bit funny. of a teary eye and I was just so happy. And I just found it so funny on reflection because I was like, oh my God, I was like jumping for joy at him pointing at a poo, <laughs> saying the word poo, <laughs> pointing then at the toilet to be like, you know, and then saying more yeah. and getting excited that he needed to still do more poos. And even as I was washing the potty, I was just so happy. <laughs> I was so happy. As long as you didn't try and give him a treat, like the dog no. thing is fine. But even still, actually, that might work. Yeah. And be like, look, and you I go to prison. Feel like, like he's 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 very far from being potty trained. But like, no, even that is a good, such a good start. And now, it, now even like if I even if I know he doesn't really need to go, I'll be like, do you need to? And I think he thinks it's like a bit fun and like yeah. a bit of a game. And so yeah. he'll sit on there. And he, like, does this, like, pushing face. But then he'll get up straight away and look down and, like, point. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't do anything. Like, there's nothing to... Anyway, so that's just a bit of a potty that update. That is so funny. And I, I, really, um, I really took into account a lot of what Dr. Golly had to say. So I highly recommend going and revisiting that podcast if you're up to that stage mm. where you're thinking you might want to start potty training and you can get so excited about poo like me. It's yeah. A, it's, a, it's fun. And I wonder if it's something that, like, do they go up, do they go back and forth? Like, you know how, like, with sleep, for example, mm. they can be really good and then they kind of fall into a probably. different pattern. I wonder if it's the same with toilet training. I would say probably because even with him brushing his teeth, like, at the start, he was so excited because he was like, oh, I've novelty. seen you do this yep. and it's a bit of a novelty. Then there was a long period of time where it was, like, so hard and he, sometimes he would just flat out refuse or have a tantrum. And then now it's kind of gone back to... I'm happy to do it, but mm. I need to do it, which yeah, is fine. Yeah. He's his own person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think these kind of development points are just so damn exciting, no mm. matter how gross they can be. I, it's like the, the gross scale I, is literally out the window. I feel like when it's your own kid too. It just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. It's so exciting. Just, like, it's, so, it's a bit of poo. <laughs> it's a bit of poo, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit of poo. Now, Mandy, I also have a funny story to share. Mm. And it made me think, I love hearing about the funny things that your toddlers have had tantrums over. Yep, love So it. I thought, let's make it a segment. Oh, so each time someone has a toddler tantrum tale. Yep, let's call it that. <laughs> Send it in. Toddler tantrum tales, yep. love it. Yep. Send in your tod toddler tantrum tales. If we can say it, yeah. Either written or voice memos, yeah. even better, um, to podcast at keepacleaner.com.au and I'll share one every kick bump episode from yep. now. Love it. So obviously today I'll share mine because mm. I don't have any of yours. <laughs> um, but it was just, it just made me giggle and they're just so ridiculous. But anyway, the other day I was getting ready and I'd gotten undressed, so there was some clothes on the floor. I hadn't put them away yet or put them in the wash. And I turn around and he's put my undies 
dirty undies. Not like dirty, like I didn't have a skid mark on them, but like, you know, I'd been wearing them, right? They're not clean. And he'd put his arms through the leg holes and had them like over yes, his chest, like a, almost um, like a bra or something. Almost like a um a life jacket. Yeah, when you put yeah, it on. fully. And he was so proud of himself. And I was like, no, no, don't do that. And I was trying to take it off him. And he was really pulling back and was like, no, no, and really wanted them. Anyway, I fully pulled them off him because I was like, that's gross. And he screamed and cried and was reaching up for them and couldn't understand why I took my underwear, my <laughs> worn underwear, off of him. And we were getting ready to go to the park and he want, he literally wanted to wear my underwear That was out. more important. You know what this is? This is a perfect 21st birthday speech <laughs> that you need to write down <laughs> and remind and all of his mates when he's 21 be like, yeah, yeah, mum's dirty undies. And he's only like, mum, shut up. That is perfect, perfect for that. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was so funny because even after it happened, like he was screaming and I was just laughing. Mm. Like I was laughing because I was just like, oh, mate, if you just if you knew, knew, if you yeah. knew, this is so funny. And I just know that there is so many stories like that. So I'm looking forward to being able to hear yours every week and share them on the podcast. Oh, yep. guys, keep it like, please share, share your stories. With yeah. Me. What did your toddler have a tantrum over that made <laughs> you laugh? <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on to today's guest. Yes. As I mentioned earlier, we have the incredible Elodie Pullen on, who is such a light. She's a like, ray of sunshine. She's a ray mm. of sunshine. And she is actually a co-host of a podcast called Darling Shine, which is another listener podcast. Yes, they've Good just you joined. Guys, I know, we snapped them, them up. On board. <laughs> With the incredible Chloe Fisher. Yes. And it is such a beautiful podcast. Kind of Similar in a way that, like, to, to our kickpot, obviously, that they're two mates. You can tell how close these girls are when mm. you hear them chat. They're so raw with each other. Um, and their podcast is all about the stories um, that they've been through. So Chloe has been struggling with fertility mm. for years now with her partner, Fish. And um, Elodie, which we do go into today, has gone through a lot of grief losing her partner, Chump, um, and then going through an IVF process herself to get her little one, Minnie. Yes, which is something that a lot of us haven't heard of before, mm. um, which is retrieving the sperm within 36 hours after death, which yeah. is just... I hadn't heard of it before I heard neither. of Neither, and it's incredible, and it's, although her story is so heartbreaking, it's mm. also so inspiring at the same time. Yeah. And actually, we do have uh, the trailer mm. for the podcast here. I'm Chloe Fisher. And I'm Elodie Pullen. Our podcast is more than just another podcast. It's a community uniting us through our challenges and hyping each other up along the way. Winter Olympian Alex Chumpy Pullen has died in a diving incident. We were able to retrieve Chumpy's sperm and now I'm pregnant with Chumpy's bubba. At Darling Shine, we use our pain as our power to open conversations and help others listening feel heard and seen. So grateful. I just feel like Chump would just be so proud. And if you listened to the Keep Pod episode on Monday and listened out for our special shares, which are at the very last <laughs> bit of the episode, so well done if you hung around that long, um, I did recommend Elle's book, Heartstrong. It is an incredible story. Obviously, we do go into some of it on the podcast and Elodie has spoken about it a lot on their podcast, but the detail that she goes into the book, there's like text messages that oh. she shares, um, some of like Chump's entries in his his journal. He was a bit of a music writer and stuff like that on the side. So um, it's really beautiful, the kind of detail that's in that book. And it's a really, yes, tragic mm. and yet really lovely love story. It's like yeah. a full fairy tale love story for a lot of it. They they really did seem like puzzle pieces perfect for one another. 
but unfortunately, Chump tragically passed away uh, in 2020. He was spearfishing and he had a shallow water blackout and drowned. Mm. And if you didn't know who Chump was, Alex Chump Pullen was an Olympic snowboarder. So he was very well known as well and loved by so many. He seemed to have an incredible energy about him as well. No doubt they were perfect for each other Mm. in a lot of ways. But something that Elle also went through after that was sperm retrieval, as you mentioned, Mandy. Mm. So we do talk about that in this episode. And I think it's really important that it is spoken about, that people do know about it, that it it exists. And we also get to talk about her journey into motherhood with the beautiful little mini. Mini Alex Fallen. How Mm. cute. It's just such an awesome story and what a great ep ahead. (laughs) One, two, three, four. Elodie, welcome to the Kick Bump podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. I've been waiting for this chat and I just wish we could do it in person. Me too. I was thinking that before. I really want to meet. Yes, I know. Too many friends in common and I um, I've followed you for a little while now and I just feel like I feel like we'd get along. I feel like that's not weird to say. <laughs> I reckon too, doll. One day we'll meet. Yeah, would love that. But I have to start off by saying congrats to you and Chloe for Darling Shine, the the new podcast over at Listener. Um, you guys have been doing an incredible job, but it's awesome to have you in the fam. Thank you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The Listener family is so cool. It's like, I feel like such a big dog now in this like proper <laughs> studio and it's, it's hectic. So I want to talk about the other thing that I'm going to congratulate you on, which is your book, Heart Strong. <laughs> I, I will admit with books, I love especially books like this with, with such deep vulnerability and, and storytelling. I love getting to know the person before reading the story because then I feel like I kind of know them and totally I don't know there's something about that and so I was avoiding reading it until getting to chat to you but then I was like prepping for the podcast and I was like okay maybe I'll just read some of the book because Josh has read it and he loved it and he was bawling his eyes out so I was like I'm just gonna flick through it I started reading it yesterday mate and I'm already like probably eight tenths of the way through no I couldn't put it down like it was like almost 11 o'clock at night I was like I really need to go to sleep but it was honestly so beautiful to read um obviously there is tragedy in there but your vulnerability is so so amazing and I think it's such an such a beautiful story to tell and to read. And yeah, I'm I'm glad I did open it, but I'm saving the last bit until after our chat now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. So many people I, I didn't realize so many people read books, but are also such speed readers. Like some people are like I read it in three hours. I'm like, did you actually read it then? Because I don't know how people read that fast. It takes me like three <laughs> years to read one book. So For the listeners who might not have read your book or might not know your story, I'd love for you to talk about Chump and how you guys kind of initiated your love story because it's honestly reading it, it could be a total fairy tale. Oh, yeah. Someone goes to me, it's like the notebook. I was like, oh, bless. I'm not sure. But um, (laughs) we we were like the fast and the furious, I guess. It just like, it all like moved in together straight away. And I guess we'd been together eight years when he passed away. Um, He is a snowboarder, so he would always be traveling. So we did this long distance thing a fair bit, but really good at it. Like I'm super independent. I love being with the girls. I love my time to like, you know, just do me. And then I really love that longing for someone and missing them and just like the the chats you have when they're away and you're like, I just can't wait to see you kind of thing. And then like the airport pickups and it's just mm-hmm. really fun and exciting. So our relationship was always really like 
just we couldn't wait to see each other. It was always just really fun. So then, then we bought like our dream house and moved to the Gold Coast. So we both lived in Sydney together. He's from Victoria, but then we both lived on the northern beaches in Sydney together where I grew up. And then about five years ago, we moved up to the Gold Coast, kind of bought our dream house, got our dog, um, you know, had like all the bedrooms ready for our family that we wanted to create and started trying for a baby. We didn't fall pregnant too easily because I have a low egg count. And I guess during like that time we started looking into starting IVF and what do you know, he goes spearfishing one day. He's like an action man, always out there surfing. When he's when he's home, he's in the water 24-7 because he spends his life on the snow and when he's home, we're on the Gold Coast, beautiful sunny weather and he's just in the ocean the whole time. Mm. So, yeah, he kind of just went out that morning spearfishing and just like did not come home. He had a shallow water blackout which I didn't realise is such a common accident that people who can hold their breath for ages have. Mm. So that sucks. I do try and spread a bit of awareness on shallow water blackouts. Like people should never dive alone. Mm. But I don't know, I never worried about him diving alone. I just, you never, I'm always like, don't get bitten by a shark. Mm. Like be careful of sharks and shit. That's what I'm thinking about. Not don't hold your breath for too long and freaking pass out under there, you know. Mm. Uh, so he... Yeah, that that was the day on the 8th of July 2020. We managed to, in the freaking state of shock and like crazy headspace, we managed to have a bit of a team of close friends and family that rallied together and figured out that we could harvest Chumpy's sperm. Mm. And at the time it was a bit of a, like, I can barely remember much from it, but like a bit of a, oh, what the f- what the hell even is that? Yeah, but have you have you had you ever heard of it? I had never heard of it. I had not even heard of people just dying at such a young age. Like mm. I'd never lost any. Like it was just it was just so crazy, and like no one around me had passed away mm. young, and you know, so that was crazy. But then, oh, we can harvest his sperm, and you know, maybe you guys you can have his baby later. Like it was a pretty crazy thing to hear, but also it was just the craziest time and the weirdest thing in the world had just happened. So anything, I don't know, anything kind of went. We were like, oh, yeah, okay, do this weird thing that maybe will create a bit of an opportunity later. So, like, literally forgot that that happened. So we harvested his sperm 36 hours after he passed. Kind of forgot that that happened but also in my head had this thing like we were meant to have a family, I want to be a mum, you know, maybe I can save myself by having a baby but also save a bit of Chump's life and bring a tiny bit of him back and have his child and, like, you know, his legacy live on a little bit and, you know, have our family, like, without him, which is just bizarre. So, yeah, six months after he passed away, I started, like, I kind of just one day I went, I'm ready, let's let's just give this a shot. And obviously IVF's another ball game and, like, a gruelling process in itself and I didn't have, like, you know, a million dollars to just keep trying and mm. going down the IVF process forever. So I kind of said, this is going to be meant to be thing. So I'll give it like two or three chances. And I just cannot believe how lucky I, like she's a pure miracle. I fell pregnant on the second round with little baby Minnie, his daughter. Oh, and she's just, she's so beautiful. I, before we, because we are definitely going to talk about Minnie, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to learn more about her and hear about your journey as a mum. This is the Kick Bump podcast, so that's what we, we like to talk about. But I do I do want to talk to, I suppose, that process. I think it's really awesome that 
you talk so openly about that sperm retrieval process because, I mean, as you just stated, you didn't know about it. I'm sure there are so many people that didn't know it was a thing. Mm. And obviously, if the tragedy happens, the unexpected thing that you wouldn't wish upon anyone happens, it's really important that other women know that it's possible. So are you able to talk a little bit more about that that process or what's involved? What are the steps to make it happen? Um, and I, I remember reading in your book that it's not actually legal everywhere. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah. So weirdly and so lucky on the Gold Coast, it's legal. But I, um, and that's the thing. So since I've shared my story, my doctor who had never performed this procedure before, so my IVF doctor who Chloe randomly called after calling five IVF doctors that day going, can you do this weird thing called sperm retrieval? Da, da, da. My friend's partner just passed away. He he was like the fifth one. He was like, oh, okay, like I'll give it a shot. You just need a lawyer to sign off on a few things and blah, blah, blah. He has now retrieved like seven other people's sperm since wow. I've shared my story, which is just crazy. Um, after, you know, never having done this before. And then I've also had people, I had someone the other day, I think she was in Canberra. Oh, no, sorry, she was in New South Wales and she had retrieved her partner's sperm, but she had to go to another state Mm. to actually use it. So there's, I'm not sure of all the legalities, but I know in each state in Australia there's, I think you can harvest it, but then you can't actually go and use it Mm. when you want to. And so you, you have to just like get that sperm moved to another state. So, yeah, you have to check up on the laws. But luckily in Queensland, we were able to harvest it and use it six months later. So Chump and I actually weren't married, but I did change my last name because I wanted our baby. I wanted to have the same last name as Minnie. You know, I wanted her to feel like she belonged. Obviously, if Chump was here, I wouldn't have changed my last name because she'd have her dad. She'd have the same last name as him and that'd be sweet. But just because it's only me and her, I thought we've got to have the same last name, you know. So Chump and I weren't married, so that's why we needed his parents to be fully on board and they had to sign a few things to say, like, this is what Chump would want. And I think people from the outside looking in that don't know us or our relationship or our love and that we were trying for a baby would probably be like, holy moly, it's the craziest thing that this chick did. But everyone around us, Mm. you know, in our close circle is just like, this is an absolute no-brainer, like, absolutely, she's doing the right thing and this is what she should do just because... They kind of know him and know me and know us and our plans for the future. But in terms of what we needed to make the procedure go ahead in the sensitive time, like we literally had 36 hours to Mm. make this happen. Otherwise the sperm's like not viable after that. Mm. So there was a lawyers had to sign off on some things. His parents had to sign off on some things. And that's literally all I remember from that time. But I mean, you didn't know anything and you guys were able to kind of round it up and make it happen. So even people knowing that it's a possibility, if they want to go and do more research now, obviously before something tragic happened, they could. But even if it did happen, they're already a step ahead of you in knowing that it's possible. Exactly. So just quickly get a lawyer and have a chat with them is is my best advice. Mm. Like quickly call a lawyer, get onto someone who you can chat with and put the wheels into motion immediately. Yeah. And, and it's if, such a crazy thing to do. Get your get your friend to do it, get yeah, someone else to do it because exactly. you obviously can't do it. No, totally. We actually get my, sorry, we get my doctor on our podcast in a few weeks and his receptionist and his beautiful wife who was in the room with Chump when the doctor was performing the procedure. And I think he probably gives, I can't even remember, we did do the chat like the other week. And I give like a lot more information on it. So maybe stay tuned for that because he might be able to give yeah. some better advice because 
I don't know when it comes to that, for some reason, my brain just doesn't remember or contain information around it. Oh, I don't think anyone uh, should hold you to, to that. But I do know you have spoken about, um, and you kind of briefly touched on it there, but you, you whooshed over it. But the thing that I was so upset to hear was the, the judgment that you copped online. And look, I totally understand that when it comes to something like this, the religion comes into it and all that sort of stuff and, and people mm. could be coming from a place of judgment for different reasons. But what would you say to someone who is going to possibly have to go through something like this and knowing that like in themselves and as you said, the people around them, it's definitely the right thing. It makes total sense. It makes sense to your story and no one's shocked by it. But that kind of wider audience of people mm. casting judgment on you how did you kind of get through that and navigate that? Because I'm sure that that would have been pretty overwhelming because I think for you, you probably thought this is this is the only option and absolutely I'm going to take it. it. This makes total sense. And until you heard those judgments, you probably didn't think otherwise. So how did you kind of get through that? Yeah, there was actually a period when I was pregnant and I was thinking, I've got to obviously announce soon because I am showing. I didn't literally announce till like I was 26 weeks. I was trying to decide, do I completely be super honest about what I did and spread awareness on sperm retrieval or do I leave it a bit ambiguous and let people kind of think that maybe we were already going down the IVF process and we had his sperm like already saved? But then I thought, no, come, like, you know, just be honest and Mm. share my honest story because I was so sure about what I was doing and it felt so right to me and everyone around me, like my immediate people knew that this was the greatest thing and exactly what Chump would want it. But yeah, so I obviously, I think people, of course, don't agree with this, you know, as you said, for religious or ethical reasons, and absolutely they can have their opinion, that's Mm. fine. Um, I didn't really have to deal with that front on. It's not like anyone came up to me and was like, I think what you're doing is wrong, blah, blah, blah. And I had to like actually confront them and ask them, you know, why do you think that? But, you know, they don't know my life. They don't know Chumpy. They don't know our relationship. They don't know our love. They don't know our plans for the future, yeah, I'd probably just ask them that if they came up to me directly. But that's the beauty of the online trolls. They Mm -hmm. can just sit behind their little keyboard Mm -hmm. and come at me. I literally do not care at all. So, I mean, I was just too busy and pregnant and dealing with that to care what they thought. But, um, and also I don't, I reckon it was 1% of people, Mm -hmm. honestly, like a few comments here and there apparently my friends would read things on Facebook. There was more trolley on Facebook and I just don't even go on there. So Instagram's where it's at for me. And I think what I've learned, God, you would know this too, having such a massive audience. You've just got to like literally block the haters. Mm. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Who cares about them? They're full on keyboard warriors. Would they really say that to you in person? Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. No, you're so right. You're so right. And I'm so glad that that was the way that you kind of coped with it. And I do want to ask you about your pregnancy. What was it like when, you know, as you said, second time around, it happened for you? So tell me about your pregnancy. Were you well throughout it? What was the experience mm. like? As soon as the embryo went in there, I my mum was next to me in the IVF clinic and I was like, I just know this one's going to work. I just feel it immediately. And again, I'm not, I was never that intuitive. And I was just like, I know it. Anyway, two weeks later, of course, I was pregnant, told the in-laws, Chumpy's family, they were freaking stoked, um, told everyone it was really exciting time and then kept it hush-hush from like everyone else, like apart from my friends, kept it hush-hush from like the public for ages. And then I loved just having, and I, I hate saying this, I feel so bad saying this around Chloe because she just wants it so badly and I know it's going to happen for mm, her. Yeah. Um, but we get asked 
you know, questions like this all the time. I loved so badly having the baby in my belly and getting, like, having this big belly. It was the best excuse to just eat everything I wanted and just... I just literally loved the novelty of having a belly. Like I yeah. literally was always just rocking midriffs, yeah. walking around with my big Same. gut out. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I literally love seeing pregnant people and always trying to pat people's bellies. And that for me was, I freaking loved that. And I just, I know it's going to happen for Chloe soon, but it was the best thing for me. Yeah. And I mean, that part of your story is super common. It would be so common that two close friends would be going through this kind of phase in their mm. life where they're trying for a kid around the same time and how exciting that would be to both get pregnant or have kids around the same age. Like that is a very common story. And so I think hearing you guys speak so openly about both your your struggles and then, you know, your huge highs because you both have such mm. amazing highs in your life too is what's really special about hearing you and Chloe talk. Your relationship is really beautiful in that. And I think any of our listeners would appreciate um, anything you can add as well to, I suppose, help those conversations. Like if you do get pregnant and you know that your friend is struggling with fertility, how do you navigate conversations about that? Mm, it's pretty awkward. I um, You just have to be so gentle when you tell them. I yeah. think it's, I reckon it's a text, a nice text, because I think sometimes if you're face-to-face, it's like obviously they do want to be happy for you, but they might be emotional and they need a moment. They might want their own time to kind of respond. So yeah. I think it's not really a phone call or a face-to-face, unless they're literally like your sister, you know, a text just to say, hey, I know you're going through, I know, I know you really want to barb, you're going through it right now. You know, I'm so sorry your time is coming, but I have to tell you I'm pregnant kind of thing. I think I think that's kind of the best way to go around it. Mm. Obviously, Chloe was there with, do you know what? She was actually pregnant when we were both pregnant at the same time. So she was about a month behind me Mm. and hers, she did miscarry, which was the saddest because we matching outfits for them. We were so excited together. We like, Mm. oh, fire, it kills me. So yeah, that, that is also really hard going through miscarriage when your friends are like, you know, they're growing their belly and their baby and yeah. God, I feel for everyone out there struggling with their fertility. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. But I think I think what you said is is so fair. It's like having that complete understanding that they'll they'll probably need some time or need to kind of cope with it in their own way. And of course, you know that your friend, no matter their reaction to that news, is happy for you. Hundred percent. But you also know that they have like every right to be upset and feel for themselves. Like. As you hundred percent, just give them that moment to like process it, so they can just you know that because uh, you can't help but to compare to people. So they just need that minute before they you know it's not that they're not happy for you. It's just an awkward thing. Mm. And then she came into the world. So how did you? How did your birth go? Yeah. So I felt like so I didn't find out what she, whether she was a boy or a girl, but I just knew in my gut that she was a girl, even though <laughs> everyone was telling me she was a boy. So oh my gosh, and I always say this. Like before going into birth, I was very much like, you don't need a birth plan. Mm -hmm. Like you can't control what's going to happen in there. All I knew is I didn't really want drugs. I just wanted to try and do it on my own Mm -hmm. and have like a vaginal birth. I say this all the time now. I'm like, that was literally fucked. Nothing could have prepared me for that pain. (laughs) And I literally take my hat off to anyone who just wants to go and book in to have the baby come out the sunroof and just have a cesarean or just get the epidural straight away. Because Mm. I mean, like you're literally birthing a kid. It's the most gnarly thing. And 
I want to give birth again one day. I'm, I'm sure I will. Like I, I would literally, the thing is, it's hectic. And as soon as mm. they come out, you meet it. And I, every mum says this. So I hate being cliche. It's so true. As soon as they come out, you're like, oh, that was a breeze. I'd do it all again. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that was the biggest not breeze in the world. Minnie was posterior. She oh. was like going into my spine for like three hours trying to like move around to come down and my legs, the nerve pain, are like, and I was just, I remember screaming out going, Chump, like where the fuck are you? You're not helping. Like come on. Like you're supposed to be up there creating like miracles and shit. I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling like you're helping right now. But no, Minnie was just stubborn and turning around the wrong way in there and it was just, um, it was psycho. But you know. I mean, I was I was fortunate. Harvey was the right way. <laughs> oh my go. god! But I've I've heard many stories. But um, so did you end up getting drugs to help her? No out? drugs. No. Wow. Drugs. Um. Yeah. Because by the time, like the midwives were like, "Whoa, like, oh, what the baby's doing and how long this is taking for you? It's so psycho that you you still haven't had an epidural yeah. yet." But it had been so many hours of that mm. that I was like. Surely she'll be out in a second. Like, I'm not going to get an epi now. Like, you know, I wish I got it like four or five, six hours ago. Yeah. So I kept thinking that. I was like, don't, like, I don't know why I thought that. I literally just assumed she was going to be out every, any second because it was yeah. just that that gnarly until then. So I was like, I'm not going to get it now. Anyway, it did continue. And then we pushed for two hours, which, oh, my Whoa. God. Yeah, it was a marathon. I literally, it took me like 10 hours after birth to actually just catch my breath. Oh, I get. <laughs> the pushing is so hectic, but I was relieved for the pushing phase to happen because the pushing felt like a breeze compared to the nerve. Yeah, like something was actually happening. Yeah. Yes, and because it was a different pain than the nerve pain and stuff I'd just been going through for hours, mm. it actually was kind of awesome. But I, I literally was an animal in a cage. I was just like screaming and like, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Wow. What a bloody experience. And I know I would go into it again. And I know I just said, get the epi, get the C-section. But I know what I'm like. I'd be like, yeah. it's not going to be posterior this. this time. I'm going to just, I'm going to go into it again. And it, hopefully she won't be posterior and we'll just have an easy birth. But yeah, wow. What a bloody roller coaster that is. Take my hat off to all mums. Oh, I know. No matter how it happens, it's a it's a crazy process. It's hectic. I want to finish off this chat, although I could honestly talk to you forever. And I think, again, if this was in person, I probably would have gone and got brunch afterwards or something. But Aww, I would love for you to touch on, I think, the best ways that your friends really got around you and supported you. For anyone that might be, that might know someone going through um, loss or grief, how they can be there to support their friend. What are the best, or even like what maybe not to do. Mm. And I know everyone's a bit different. So, you know, certain people deal with it differently. But in your situation, what did you love and what was something that kind of wasn't really necessary or you didn't really like? Yeah, I think I just loved it when people just kind of bit the bullet and would just come over. Oh, it's an awkward time where people feel so like, oh, my God, what am I going to say? How do I act mm. in such a crazy situation? And I think you've got to remember it's honestly not about what you say or do or how you act. Like what they're going through is crazy. So stop worrying about what you're going to say wrong. Just like be there, come and, I don't know, bring them food. Just be there on the couch. They might not want to talk. They might just want to sit there and cry. If I can sit there and cry with them. I hated it personally when people would not acknowledge or, you know, just like, come over a few days after he passed away and just like, you know, it'd be a bit of an elephant, elephant in the room. and Like like avoid saying his name. Yeah. yeah. Or like just not 
like address what had just happened because they'd feel so, because it is such a crazy thing to just like, Mm. you know, deal with. And I get other, the thing is, you forget that people around you are grieving a lot too. So I think while while I'm like, I hated it when they did this or didn't do this, it's like they're actually going through a pretty rough time too. So it's not, it's literally not all about me, obviously. But um, I just like it when people can just, you know, even now, don't be afraid to bring up Chumpy, talk about him. Like I want to celebrate his life. I never want him to be the elephant in the room. So yeah, I just loved it when friends would just come and chill. Like, let's chuck a movie on and sit there. Let's let's sit there and not talk for ages or let's sit there and chat. Let's cook together or come and help clean the house or, mm. you know, if, like, I wasn't responding or just in a bit of a rut or, you know, not giving them much, just rock up to my house and chuck me in your car and take me out for coffee or let's go down the beach and just go for a walk. We don't even have to talk. Like, when gnarly things like that happen, People don't know how to act and you you actually can't blame them. But I just think try and, I don't know, just, if you're close with them, you can just go and grab them and you can chuck them in your car and you can you can not talk together. Yeah, I suppose just just be there and be company and just show I think up. That's, that's the biggest thing, hey, is um, that sense of, I suppose, or, or maybe did you have that fear of like being lonely at that time and then did your, your friends and stuff quickly remind you that, you don't have to be alone. Yeah, I think I I do have such a unique bunch of friends, and we are like pretty close, like sisters. So like, yeah, I my friend did move in, but I would have other friends that would literally just rock up at like <laughs> literally five a.m. and just be sitting on my bed when I'd wake up, and I'd be like, "How the hell did you get into my house?" Like, oh, I took a key yesterday. I'm like sick. Like, and I love I love shit like that. So I I know I probably am a bit of a different breed and lucky to have that like crew. But, and, and like the hardest thing with grief and when shit hits the fan, there's no rule book, there's no rights and wrongs. So people overthink what they've got to do, but just, oh, you've just got to kind of get on with it and treat them mm. like, I, I hated being treated like a patient that people had to tiptoe around. I just think definitely don't do that. Mm. Oh, I don't know. It's it's really, it's I find it really hard to put into words. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's not only me suffering. It's not. And, and. I think to to finish off, I would just love to give your podcast a, another plug. I think particularly for anyone who wants to hear more and I suppose have friends in their ears because that's what you and Chloe are. As much as you're obviously close with each other, hearing those conversations, it's like listening to two mates in your car or in your home wherever you listen to your podcast. And so I feel like anyone going through a fertility journey or struggling with fertility or maybe going through loss, like it's your stories are so important to share and so beautiful to listen to the way that you guys kind of talk through everything. So I would like to plug your podcast and and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more. It's about time because I've I've heard of you for so long through like Coop and everyone. So yeah, it's been it's been awesome to have you on and I just think that it's really incredible everything that you're doing. You don't have to be as vulnerable as you are and you don't have to kind of put yourself out there like you do. And I know a lot of people would appreciate you for it. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been such a pleasant pleasure to chat and I hope to meet you one day. And look, Harvey, he looks so freaking cute. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that chat. It was so awesome to get to know Elodie a little bit more and have that conversation. 
I also wanted to give a shout out to a very important foundation, the Chumpy Pullen Foundation, where they break down barriers to provide support and inspiration for every Australian to participate and grow through sport and life. So if you want to learn more about that foundation, you can go to Chumpy Pullen Foundation on Instagram. And yeah, another shout out to Elodie's book because it was honestly such a great read. If you want to learn more about her story and delve into more details, um, her book Heart Strong is a really, really beautiful read. So thanks for listening again, guys. I'll be back in your ears for another kick bump episode in a fortnight from now. And I'll be back in your ears on Monday with Lawsy. If you would like to join a virtual mother's group where mums come together and inspire each other to maybe live a healthy lifestyle, get back into exercise postpartum or stay moving their body during pregnancy or really just recommendations for like what swaddles to use if you give your baby milk or not, honestly anything, you can join our Kick Bump Facebook community. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Keep It Cleaner or at Steph Claire Smith. And if you would like to try Kick Bump or try Kick, we have a seven-day free trial. You can head to our website, keepitcleaner.com or you can download our app from the Apple Store or Google Play Store. I'll chat to you soon. Bye.